Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week's guest is Carson Tate, and we will be talking all about embracing the power of your personal productivity style. What does that mean? You're going to learn which of four categories you fall into when it comes to how you are best productive, how you can be most productive. It's almost like strength finders or one of the other types of personality tests where once you learn what you are, you can lean into the aspects of that and then make better choices in terms of your productivity. It's pretty cool. I took it and it actually gave me some pretty interesting insights. So I know that you are going to love this conversation with Carson. Before we get into that conversation, I want to say thank you to AWeber for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. AWeber has launched this awesome resource for you to help you get started with those first tasks, those initial steps into some of these things that you know you should be doing. And I want you to stop feeling overwhelmed by this giant list of tasks in terms of things you want to do with your online presence. For example, recording your first podcast episode, getting your first 50 subscribers to your email list or your YouTube channel, how to, for that matter, make your first YouTube video or If you are even more ambitious, creating your first online course. AWeber has created an awesome free resource you need to go check out. And you can do that by going to aweber.com slash to do. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash T-O-D-O. And you will learn, be inspired. Today is your day to take that next step in pursuing your passion whether it's a business or just a hobby, you know there are those next steps that you want to learn how to do that next thing for that hobby, that business. AWeber has the resource you need to get started. You can head on over and check out these videos and checklists that'll take you through getting you to the next step and making progress on your dreams and your goals. Again, check it out at aweber.com slash to do. 
Thanks again to Aweber for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Enjoy this conversation with Carson Tate. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show Carson Tate of Work Simply. Carson, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. I'm thrilled to be on your show. So Work Simply could mean a lot of things. What specifically do you define that as? I define it as identifying and then using your productivity style strengths to create a workflow that fundamentally supports who you are and how you want to work. Okay. So in other words, one size does not fit all and and productivity hacks aren't like across the board accepted to work for everybody? Exactly. So the productivity hacks work, as you and I both know, but they don't work for everyone. And so what I found in my work with my clients and then validated in graduate school and in my research was that our cognitive style, the way we think and process information, actually informs the way that we structure our workflow. So if we can align the awesome productivity hacks that are available to us with our cognitive style, then that is the secret sauce. That's where I believe and have seen with our clients that your productivity gains um, are exponential and the changes you're trying to make are stickier. It's not as hard and they tend to last. Some people are familiar with, it's called strength finders. And there's all these, you know, so that one specifically I'm most familiar with. And I found that personally, once I started to lean into those strengths, instead of trying to fight against my weaknesses, lean into my strengths, I found that I was accomplishing more and I was even able to take maybe some of those productivity hacks and twist them or turn them or, you know, mold them in a way into fitting in with my strengths or even finding the ones that fit most naturally with my strengths, I guess is probably a better way to put it. Once you've identified, I call it your productivity style, but really it's just the way that you think and process information. Um, Once you identify that, you're right. It's it's like, wow, the light bulb goes off. You're like, ooh, it's so much easier. I'm really leveraging the way I think. I'm leveraging my strengths to work more efficiently, to work more impactfully. I think that most people would think, well, this sounds great. You know, how do we, how do we figure, how do I figure out who I, how I work best? How do I figure out my productivity, you know, style? Okay. So let's start with what you're doing wrong. Yeah. And I'll start by saying you're not doing anything wrong. So none of your listeners are doing anything wrong. So if they're using a tool or a hack or a strategy that isn't working for them, it's not them. It's the tool or the strategy. The other thing that I see frequently that we do, that's not wrong but we tend to succumb to peer pressure. So if everybody in your company is using Evernote, then you feel like you should be using it too because you've got these folks that love Evernote or you just can replace Evernote with whatever tool you want to. Right. But that might not really be the best tool for you. You might really do best with pen and paper, which feels very outdated and so antiquated and couldn't possibly be as efficient as Evernote but it might fundamentally be right for you. Pen and paper, I love, but at the same time, there's this other thing where it's nice to, with a digital tool in terms of task management specifically, where I can go and throw stuff in there and keep it in there and know it's organized and it stays that way and I can access it from everywhere. But at the same time, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. And so this is where... It's the second step. So acknowledging that there's nothing 
fundamentally wrong with you. You're not doing anything wrong. And we've all succumbed to peer pressure. I mean, I think about high school and the jeans I wore and they were awful, but that, you know, Mm -hmm. the second step is identifying your style and, and what that is. And I would say you do it two ways. One, I think we know. I I believe that deep down, we intuitively know what our preferences are and what our strengths are. So for example, when you took the strengths finder um, at Buckingham, there were probably some ahas, but fundamentally you're like, yeah, I am a communicator. I kind of, and throughout my life, I've always been an effective communicator. So I think you know. And then the second way you can determine if you're still like, I don't really know, Carson, I, I need some help. Well, I developed an assessment, the productivity style assessment, It takes 10 minutes. It's online. It's free. You can take it. It's on my website, carsontate.com. And it will tell you your style to give you a description. It'll talk about your strengths, your blind spots, and some strategies. So you've got two options there to help you determine. And then when we start to think about the tools, then to your point, out of sight, out of mind, but the power of the digital task management tool is pretty alluring. So we have to wrestle with what's more important. Are you highly visual? Do you need to see, touch, and feel your work? Or can we store it in an electronic digital to-do list that is going to support you in doing your work? The tool has to fully support you. It can't create extra stress or work for you. That's an excellent point. And I think that may be sometimes what some of the differences between some of the digital task management systems have been for people is not necessarily that it's it's that it's organized in a different way or it's it's right. the user the user interface is more acclimated towards your style exactly yes and so i am a fan of the task management apps and tools that allow for more customization versus less because then that allows for me as an individual to tweak and adjust slightly to support my productivity style or the way I think and process information. If that's not possible, then I want to look at tools that are very much in alignment with the way that I think and process information. So for example, Evernote, nice big white pages, you can organize them in notebooks, you've got tons of functionality, you can put anything. You can impose some structure, but it's open enough. Contrast that with like an Asana that is a little bit more linear, more has more categorization, um, a little more sequential. Different types of thinkers are going to prefer those two different types of tools. And I think that's the thing is for me is I, ca- I could never really quite put my finger on it. I know that sometimes – like for example, there's another one out there, Trello. Yes. And yes. I love-hate Trello. Like there's things about it I love and there's things about it that frustrate me to no end. And I, I don't know how to reconcile that quite honestly. No, I hear you. Um, We use Trello with one of our vendor partners and it is a great tool for them, uh, but there are pieces of it that drive me crazy as well. But (laughs) I have found when I use it in service of our vendor, the work gets done, it's accurate, and and we have a nice record of what's being done and where we are in the process. Which actually, you know, quick side note here, I wonder... How easy is it to, you know, if you figure out your work style, how is it to then collaborate with others if they have a completely different work style? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So in my work and research, identified four different productivity styles. So you've got prioritizer, planner, arranger, and visualizer. 
So the prioritizer is very linear, very analytical, very fact-based. The planner is very organized, sequential. That's your list maker, very detail-oriented. The arranger is very communicative, relational, intuitive, kinesthetic. That's your facilitator. And then the visualizer is that big picture, innovator, ideation, junkie. And so each of the four styles has strengths. And so when you're working with someone else, Eric, the goal is to leverage and lean into their strengths, particularly in a project. So, for example, let's say you and I are working together and you're more of a visualizer, big picture. You're the one who's always asking why not, what's next, kind of pushing that envelope. When we're working together on a project, and if I'm more organized and planned and sequential and kind of get buried in the weeds, if I can really lean into your strengths around the brainstorming and help have you own that piece and really help me because that's a blind spot. And then if I can take your brainstorm and your ideas and craft them into a project plan, then we're marrying both of our strengths in a really positive way. So to work more effectively with others, you want to identify their productivity style if you can, and then really lean into what their strengths are and leverage those strengths and recognize that your strengths are also probably going to conflict at times. And that's where you're going to experience some conflict. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond Gotcha. So to go sports metaphor, even though I'm not a huge sports guy, the kicker should be kicking. The quarterback should be the quarterback. You shouldn't have them switching up positions. You you want to find 
the people, you know, what roles need to be filled and figure out which styles best suit those roles. Exactly. And when you do, that's when you have a high performing team. That's when you have lower levels. There's always going to be a little conflict and friction when we work with others, but lower levels of conflict and friction. You're going to frequently be on budget, on time, and have a pretty outstanding product at the end of it, particularly if you're leveraging all four productivity styles. Okay. I mean, obviously, and, and I'll put the link to it in the show notes, people should go check it out and, and take the, uh, what is it called again, the productivity style, the productivity style assessment. assessment. Yes. And so that's free. And I'll put the link to that in the show notes for everybody to, to go ahead and take that. In fact, I, I have it open here and I'm like, I'm going to take this when I'm done. <laughs> when we're done talking. It's easy. Great. I won't, I won't do it right now live on the show, although that would maybe make for interesting I don't know that that would make interesting audio content, but whatever. What are some of the other things? Like once we've figured that out, though, how can we start to go through some of these different productivity, um, you know, workflows or the hacks, the the mm-hmm. tips, mm-hmm. the tricks, the tools, and how can we pick one up and say, okay, does this match my work style, or is there a different approach that you would take? Maybe. No, that's exactly the approach I would take. So I have my style. Okay. I understand what it is. Now I've got to make a decision between these three different apps. What do I do? I mean, how does this knowledge, my productivity style help me make that decision? And so that's where you're looking for with each productivity style, kind of their core needs. Like what do you need in a tool? So let's, um, Think about calendars. That'd be a good example. Okay, great. So prioritizers, they're very analytical. They're very efficient. They're very time oriented. I mean, the prioritizers know how long it takes them to process 10 emails. They're very data oriented. So when we think about a calendar tool for a prioritizer, very linear, small discrete units of time, the ability to block small discrete units of time, a way to track and measure time spend versus goals. So how can they track and measure that using a calendar tool? The planner loves planning. So the calendar is like their favorite thing ever. So they're pretty open to the different types of calendars, but they're not going to want a calendar that necessarily allows for those discrete units of time. They tend to use larger segments of time, time of day or a couple of hours And planners want a a tool that allows them most of the time to integrate both professional and personal. Um, Keeping two calendars for a planner is challenging. The arranger and the visualizer are very visual. So for them, out of sight is out of mind. So they want to use color. They need to see it. It needs to be big, potentially printed. Or when they look on their phone, they can see the different colors. They can see the different themes and how their time is being allocated. Now I can kind of see how then, so for example, you'd take that to why or why not, for example, the Pomodoro method would or wouldn't work for which of these work styles. Exactly. So let's take the Pomodoro method. Okay. So there are two styles that probably going to like it and find it very helpful. One would be the visualizer and the visualizer because they do their best work in these short chunks. I call them sprinters, not marathoners. So they need uh, 20 minutes of focused work. Then they do need a break or need to flip to a different activity. 
so the and the timing they're probably not going to use the pomodoro timer per se um, that feels a little rigid to them but these short focused bursts of work absolutely is spot on they're going to love it the prioritizer is going to have the little tomato timer or they're going to have a timer on their phone they're going to stick to the exact precise 20 minutes they will take their precise breaks and they will love it. They'll love the structure. They'll love the detail of it and the focused part of it because it'll allow them to really kind of anchor into what their goals are. The planners and the arrangers, they can use it, but it's probably not the best tool for them. Okay. A lot of people talk about, you know, life planning and setting goals and having, and I talk about this too, you know, having, having a good idea of what you're doing at the macro level so that you can zoom back down to the micro level and decide what needs to be done now. How does that apply? So for the prioritizers, they're very goal focused. So the prioritizer is the one that is going to have that you know, one month, quarter, year, five year, 10 year goals and plans. Um, and they will keep it. Um, they'll refer back to it. The planner also will do that as well. The arrangers and the visualizers will have have goals, but the goals will be construed differently. The, the prioritizer and the planners, their goals look and feel like what we think of goals. Um, very specific, you know, they're specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-bound. I mean, they follow that SMART methodology. Mm-hmm. The arrangers And the visualizers, it tends to be much bigger picture. It tends to be more stories. It includes more of a feeling state. It's more of a vision than it would be a specific goal. And their goals are not going to be as linear and as detailed as the planners or the prioritizers. They're going to stay pretty big picture. Gotcha. Okay. See, this is interesting to me because... I can go to almost any different thing and just kind of see, okay, so people are going to react to this differently based on how they would best do their work. <laughs> right, exactly. It's And so um, when I wrote my book, Work Simply, in the book, there's a traditional table of contents, you know, very linear, exactly what you would expect with bullet points. But I've also included a mind map because – half of the folks that are reading it don't want to look at a linear list. They think in terms of ideas. Here's the idea that I want, or here's the problem I'm trying to solve. Not chapter one is on this and chapter two is on this. Once we've got this, this workflow, this, this productivity style Mm -hmm. for ourselves, you know, what do you prescribe in terms of not just picking out task management systems or, you know, how to best set up our calendar or whether we are a table of contents person or a mind mapping person. I mean, are you basically saying once you know this, you can go from thing to thing to thing, like category productivity category wise and just say, okay, now that I know this, I can design that, you know, room in my productivity house metaphorically. Yes. Yes. So you can take your knowledge and look at your time investment strategies. So how are you managing and thinking about your time, which relates to the calendar tools You can look at execution. How am I tracking and managing tasks and projects? And then how am I executing against those? You can look at your email management. How am I managing and processing my inbox? And what might I shift according to my style? You can look at your contributions on a team. So what's my productivity value 
that I bring to a team based on my unique strengths and how do I leverage that in a team setting. You can look at it in terms of how I communicate with others and what my preferences are. So you can move very systematically through each of those categories to determine strategies and tools. But I would add on, there's one other thing that you mentioned earlier, Eric, that I would come back to, which is that energy piece. Yes. And I think in our space, uh, my colleagues, we're all guilty of talking about strategies and tactics. I mean, I love to talk about strategies and tactics. We've spent you know, 23 yeah. minutes talking about stuff, like very tactical. But where I think we have the opportunity, the next real way for us to look at is energy management. What has happened is we've worked on this incorrect principle that we can work almost nonstop. We don't really need breaks. We can just have the same cognitive output at a very high level throughout the day. You and I both know it's not true, but we still try to structure our work days and our environment like it works. Well, and and not even just the work day, but like seasons. We all know, oh yeah, I should take breaks throughout the day, like five minutes here, 10 minutes there. Although I don't think that's quite enough. I agree with you. In a single day and even in a single week, but it's like, you know, the, the longer you go with the more working you're doing, the less effective you're being. Exactly. It's been proven. So. It, right. And it's proven. It doesn't matter where you want to look. If you want to look at anecdotal evidence, you know, yourself or your colleagues in your office, or if you want to look at peer-reviewed academic research, some really good research is demonstrating the exact same thing. So I've shifted and been experimenting personally and spending more time with our clients talking about energy, energy management. How are you creating energy to do that deep work, that work that moves you forward, that work that advances your goals versus staying in the shallow end with the noise and anxiety, yeah, just the, which I think creates anxiety, but just that noise from your inbox and all this just task stuff that isn't really that intellectually challenging deep work. That's what we're here to do. Yeah. In other words, feeling like you've moved the needle at all or pushed the rock up the hill <laughs> at all, um, that, that you've done something versus just, because uh, that's one of the things that really is, is kind of defeating or deflating even for a lot of people is to, to get to the end of the day. And maybe you have, you know, you've eaten healthy all day. You've done the right things in terms of taking care of yourself. You even, maybe you snuck in a nap. Maybe you uh, went for a walk. Maybe you did or didn't have coffee or had drank enough water, all that kind of stuff. But you got to the end of the day and you checked off a bunch of stuff off your list, but it still feels like, especially for those of us who work primarily in a digital fashion, yes. that there's nothing tangible changed in the world because of what I did today. And you mm-hmm. don't know, you, you feel like, well, what did I get done? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but being able to move something, move the needle, being able to say, okay, I did accomplish more towards my goal or even cross certain things out. And and I would even say that's probably a little bit of a, a work style thing there too, as well with, you know, tactile versus, uh, you know, digital as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the planners and the arrangers are going to be the most tactile. Um, I mean, the planners will put something on their list they've already done just so they have that satisfaction across. (laughs) I mean, there's this high need for completion. And the arrangers are the ones who have the most expensive pens in the office and the really nice uh, moleskin journals and 
all of their technology tools, the interface is, is really customized for them. So they're going to be more tactile in their need to, to feel as if something was completed. Yeah. And, and this is, again, where the not just the daily breaks or energy you know, maintenance or, or balance, I guess, comes in, but like the whole work-life balance, as a lot of people talk about it, and, and how that inter, you know, interjects with the seasons as well. Exactly. And I, I think that we can learn. I, I'm glad you brought up seasons. I think we really can look to nature as an example. I mean, the seasons, each season has a very specific function. And if you look at, we just finished spring, which is about rebirth and new growth. And I would say spring is new ideas, fresh energy into your business and your work. But that follows winter, which is a period of hibernation and quiet and recovery. And there's a reason that there is a manifestation of new growth post deep recovery and rest. We've just overlooked it. Um, and, you know, the technology is an enabler of working 24-7, of 24-7 connectivity. And it's alluring. I mean, it's, it's hard not to check and stay engaged. But I do think there's a cost to our energy and our ability to focus and work deeply with that constant connectivity and lack of rest and recovery. Would you even suggest that it makes sense to that not even, you know, having daily boundaries on that type of connectivity, but even in a seasonal sense where, okay, this is a season I'm entering into and, and it could even mirror an actual uh, season. Absolutely. So I would, the personal example for me is um, when I go into writing books and working on my second book, I'm about to go into a season where there are long stretches of complete disconnectivity no connectivity in any way to internet outside stimuli. I will kind of hole up in this room that gets really uh, boring and awful, but that's intentional to really minimize those external inputs so I can go deeply within. I kind of look at it that way too. I don't, it, it, it's more towards goals. It's more towards, okay, between here and here, you know, between now and when this, um, event that I'm going yes. to or or putting on or part of is happening and then it's done. It's kind of, that's my stretch. That's my two to three month season. And so mm-hmm. what needs to be, in, what's the level of connectivity? What's Who do I need to be talking to the most? Who do I not need to be talking to at all? Uh, no offense to any family or friends. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, but just having that personal, in place. Right. right, exactly. And just having that in place and knowing, you know, uh, uh, oh, am, am I going to um, – do, do I think I'm going to be overloaded here? So maybe I need to make sure that I build in this extra seasonal habit this time or or what? But yeah, that's how I kind of handle that. Absolutely. And I think the more that we can encourage, obviously, our peers and others to do that, I think the more we can push against what's acceptable because culturally that type of disconnect or that type of deep work and um, focus isn't as acceptable as this always on, I'm constantly responding and engaged. Yeah, exactly. I, I think there's there's so much more that we could go into here about taking breaks and figuring out that that's work style and, and all of that. But the key here is no one way is the right way for all people. 
Exactly. And I think that's where we need to land. Never fits all. Yes. So again, Carson, we're ending our time here, but I'm going to put the link to the assessment in the show notes and your book and where people can find you, but go ahead and tell us where they can find you. Sure. Thanks. So my website, carsontate.com. I'm on Twitter and Facebook, the Carson Tate, and also on LinkedIn, Carson Tate. Awesome. Carson, thank you so much. And I'm sure we're going to have to have you back. Well, Eric, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Carson Tate. I know I did. And I know that I really enjoyed taking the productivity style assessment. And then I especially like getting my feedback because what I'll tell you is, is that I pretty evenly scored across the board on all four of those styles. And what does that mean for me? Well, I'm going to wrestle through the fact that I honestly need to alternate so I don't get bored using any one single thing. And that's a challenge, and it's a blessing, and it's also a curse and a struggle. I'm sure there's a solo episode coming on this topic at some point in the future, trust me. But I would love to hear what style you got. So head on over to beyondthetodolist.com slash 146, where you'll find the link to click over to Carson's site and find her book, as well as all of the tools and tips and resources mentioned in this episode. You can leave me a comment telling me which productivity work style you got, and we can discuss. Thanks again to A. Weber for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Make sure to head on over to grab the videos and checklists to find out how to do those initial steps that you've been meaning to get around to for a while. Stop procrastinating and start doing. Today is that day that you need to get started on creating your first podcast episode, creating your first online course, your first YouTube video. Head on over to aweber.com slash to do to grab those free resources and checklists. See what other people are doing with that material and those free resources that Aweber has so awesomely given. Let me know what you do once you have checked those out. Aweber.com slash to do. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I really appreciate it. And I will see you next episode. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews. So you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.